And I always frame like people like in the international student population in particular that always thinks their identity is a deficit and also like having themselves feeling they need to assimilate, they need to kind of blend into the culture and and forget like and and then kind of wash away their own like um kind of roots. Um sometimes I do a lot of work with like reclaiming that identity and also like embracing that identity and just like kind of um doing a lot of empowerment liberation in terms of what what you want at that moment is really crucial. Like how do you show your identity genuinely uh, without losing it? everyone. Welcome to Open Mind Night, a show that talks about everything mental health and mental illness related. I am your host, Robin Tamanaha, licensed marriage and family therapist. Joining me on this episode is my guest, Dr. Sunny Ho. He is a licensed psychologist who is currently practicing in a group group private practice in Seattle, Washington. The group practice he's Mainly, um, he's mainly serves BIPOC and LGBTQA plus individuals. He graduated with his PhD in counseling at the University of Iowa in 2020 and completed his pre-doctoral internship at Rutgers University Counseling Center and post-doctoral work at Seton Hall University. His clinical interests are around international students and immigrants, mental health issues, acculturation, and family of origin issues. Hi, Sunny. Hi, Robin. Thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah. How are you? Thanks for being here. Good, good. Yeah. So before we get started, I have a lot of questions about all the different topics. Um, sure. But first, could you tell like the listeners or the viewers like a little about, um, I guess like your personal or professional journey, what led you to be a therapist and work with the populations that you do? Sounds good. So yeah, I mean, yeah, hi everyone. Um, good to see everyone here. And, um, I identify as a cisgender, um, straight male and also, um, a first gen, um, immigrant from Hong Kong. And uh, he, him pronoun. And um, I think to answer like your question about like what brought me to therapy, I think it started in the journey of like going through undergrad. I'm actually part of the um, counseling center paraprofessional program uh, when I was actually an undergrad in University of Illinois, Urbana-Champaign. And I'm lucky enough to kind of really reach out to a lot of um, uh, cultural center at that at that point, like doing a lot of um like workshops, seminars, um, and also like um, some type of prevention work uh, with different like minority groups. So at that time, I just feel myself like um, kind of um, doing all the outreach uh, kind of um, work and also um, doing a lot of work related to mental health um, awareness. So at that time, I actually kind of have a really good mentor um, back then. Um, it's, a, it's a professor um, at U of I uh, in Illinois and um, I actually kind of kind of blew my interest into counseling psychology. Um, and then I decided to kind of move on to a master um, to do a lot of work with social justice issue, multicultural issue at this college, Columbia University, um, to to get my master's degree in New York City um, before going to PhD. So like, I think throughout this journey, I 
really centered my interest and passion around multiculturalism, race, racism, um, sex and sexism, and all those kind of it's some like to kind of really doing a lot of work with minority groups to advocate for their rights. Um, and also um, uh, kind of really kind of gathering their own like kind of uh, uh, information to kind of really help them along the way, like to kind of really uh, kind of guide them how to kind of really assert their rights um, in the United States. So like that's actually um, how I actually get a lot of experiences and also interests um, in counseling um, and also being particularly kind of like um, myself as an international student. Um, and I think that like that journey uh, by itself, I actually share with my um, international, students, uh, international students group um, from, I mean, like throughout my past like training and also getting to this point, I just like really enjoy doing that work. Yeah. Thank you for sharing your journey. I think um, I always get so excited, you know, when I meet fellow Asian therapists, I know how important it is to for like the community, right? Like the Asian community, mm-hmm. to, you know, have, you know, therapy, have also Asian therapists or API therapists, you know, and, and you brought up like the international student like aspect. And I feel like that's like a really important population because like from the little, the little that I know, you know, at least here, you know, where I am in, in Southern California, we at the community college level, there's a lot of international students. I think people aren't necessarily mm-hmm. aware of that. And so mm-hmm. having them having access to mental health and also with a professional who truly really understands, I think is so, so important because that's, a, mm-hmm. I mean, you come here to go to school, like that's a lot. That's a lot. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. It's really unique. Um, and people usually like in the United States overlook this population because we sometimes like kind of really teach them the U.S. culture and U.S. like systems. And, but we didn't actually, uh, kind of really get them oriented to like kind of like the basic knowledge of how to get food, like how to get your, like kind of set up your bank account, like, or, or those kind of basic things has not been like really acknowledged uh, for international students. And I think a lot of times that, um, because they feel really anxious coming to another country from different culture, from different like upbringings and, um, and sometimes like people, um, are not aware of like the uniqueness and also the nuances, uh, among this population. Yeah. Yeah. So much, you know. Yeah. Could you, um, talk a little <clears throat> bit about like mm-hmm. that international identity, kind of what yeah. that means? Sure. Sure. Yeah. So, um, it's really broad, like the definition is really broad, like international student is actually one of the identity. People come to the United States with an F1 student visa, um, and go through like, um, colleges and the U.S. government actually expected you to kind of return home, like after your study and getting a degree. So that's the F1 visa. Like someone would actually like to kind of stay longer, like maybe getting an OPT optional practical training afterward, or also like H1B, a working visa in the United States. And that's an actually another group of international identity um, professionals um, that actually work um, beyond like getting the degree. Um, and someone actually come to this country just for a semester or a quarter uh, for like J1 visa, like as a scholar or like kind of visiting scholar to just like kind of really stay here for a year or really temporarily time to really kind of um, uh, kind of exchange their knowledge with the local scholars. Um, so that's actually another type of international, um, uh, kind of population. 
um, I would say like people like maybe born in the U.S. and went out for a degree like outside of U.S. and coming back in for like a, a to be a professional. That's another international kind of um, a person that we, we need to kind of look into. Like sometimes people maybe spend like a decade or 15 years, 20 years outside this country coming back, returning home to the United States. And sometimes like those kind of uh, culture shock or like changes. I mean, like there are a lot of things evolving like every single day in the United States. Like sometimes people need to get adjusted back to that um, kind of uh, routine of being a U.S. citizen. And I think like talking about international population is really broad and like really kind of um, fairy across the board. I would say like, uh, yeah, we need to be really mindful of people's uniqueness and also like what are their identities. And don't forget, like there are a lot of intersecting identities as well, like uh, being international, like what kind of um, cultural background that you, you raise from, like uh, maybe like what continent that you're from or like that's actually something that we need to kind of really pay attention to. Right, right. There's yeah. so many layers. There's exactly. So many layers yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I would also picture too, like how it's a gift, like that identity can very much mm-hmm. be a gift in many ways, right? Exactly, exactly. And sometimes we didn't actually value like um the gift of speaking different languages. Like when I was just thinking about the gift, like that's actually something that I, I didn't realize until I got to like maybe first year or second year of doctoral program that like one of my mentors actually speak to me back then and saying that like, do you know, like speaking different language in the United States actually have gifts, like not everybody around you actually have this talent, like kind of speaking different language. And I always frame like people like in the international student population in particular that always thinks their identity is a deficit. And also like having themselves feeling they need to assimilate, they need to kind of blend into the culture and and forget like and and then kind of wash away their own like um kind of roots. Um, sometimes I do a lot of work with like reclaiming that identity and also like embracing that identity and just like kind of um doing a lot of empowerment liberation in terms of what what you want at that moment is really crucial. Like how do you show your identity genuinely uh, without losing it? Yeah. Yeah. And I would wonder, too, like how helpful, um, you know, I think when you had mentioned this came to mind um, being increased awareness. Right. Mm-hmm. For this population, mm-hmm. you mentioned sometimes like there is that like they get overlooked, um, but having mm. like allies through this also for them that may help along the way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would say having allies and doing work by like kind of kind of showing up your identity in different spaces and different settings and sharing your cultural background with different people um, is actually a good way to go because sometimes it can be hard. Like, I mean, like, of course, like sharing stories or sharing a background to a certain extent, like if the, <clears throat> if the other person actually asks you to kind of repeat your story over and over again, of course it would be exhausting. Um, and at that point, like, uh, I mean, like for us, like as an international student, we don't have the obligation to explain every single little things um, to people um, around us. But like if if you're willing to kind of step in to just really talk about your story kind of genuinely, um, and I think that would actually create some like cultural exchange and cultural kind of conversation. Um, and I think that would actually help you to to show up your identity more um, in different settings. And of course, I wear like power dynamic, like if you have to speak to your boss or speak to your manager or um, your supervisor it can be hard. Um, so having an ally, having someone who shares similar background with you in the team. Um, may allow you to kind of practice 
um, and also like have some confidence to how to kind of show up um, yourself more openly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then the next thing that comes to mind is because like to me, I think of like that as like a really great resource, you know, to have. Are there any other particular like resources that are helpful, like Mm -hmm. for international students? Yeah, I mean, um, I'm actually leading some of the mentorship program uh, within uh, my division, like Division 17 in APA, uh, for instance, actually counseling psychology division. I actually have some mentorship program allowing some um, middle to late career um, kind of professional to kind of really guide international students or early professionals to really guide them through the process of like, I mean, if you actually have some like, um, concerns to share, like you can actually have a one-on-one session with your mentor. Um, I think that would be a really good resource, like, um, for the long run. Um, I would say like to have a mentor to really guide you through like, um, the steps that you need to go through. Maybe like after you graduate, what is your career path after that? Mm-hmm. And like, not to say that like you have some, um, kind of, uh, maybe immigration status and you take care of, but like also like there are a lot of, um, things that you need to like navigate in the system, maybe, in an academia setting, like after you graduate with a PhD, um, there are a lot of different things that um, international students face. And I think having a mentor that guide you through different steps, um, every step that you move forward, I think um, that would be a, a really good. And also like um, some of the um, division and also like association actually have healing circle, like maybe sit in some like international students healing circle to talk about, about your concerns, like just be yourself. And I think being yourself as an international student is actually really essential, like, because maybe we're so blinded with our work. We are just like not showing our true self and not really kind of be vulnerable. I mean, like, it's hard to be vulnerable, like with colleagues and also in a work environment. Um, but having those channels, having those spaces would be helpful. Definitely. I like, I like how it's called healing, healing spaces. That's, yeah. that's really great. Yeah. Have you, and, and I think that's like a wonderful, like, you know, and, you know, as Asian, as, you know, I'm Asian American, you know, even, and even like as Asian American, like the topic of feelings or kind of, you know, sharing things or in, in some case that is um, being vulnerable in a way and in, in, in opening up, um, certain things like aren't so much talked about, like maybe with their family of origin or like ancestors, Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. um, even values even, but there's so much like importance in doing that, especially, you know, coming here, you know, from another country, there has to be just so much that they're experiencing internally, you know? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's another layer. And that's another nuance that I'm talking about. It's just like kind of um, besides being, an Asian in this country, there's another layer of being international. Like you need to kind of figure out your day-to-day life, like because you're not used to the system. Um, maybe you come from a system that healthcare is actually universal, like for every individual, like in that that region. And coming to the United States, so much different, like in terms of how we work in the healthcare system, and also like um, maybe navigating in, in the school school system or educational system, like it's so different. You need to be really proactive to learn. Like sometimes. If person coming to this country, like feeling shy and not really kind of um, having the resources to really be proactive, they would certainly feel lonely and anxious, like kind of moving forward. Like there's no support within that um, kind of uh, maybe organization that actually provided like ongoing resources or ongoing support 
And sometimes international students certainly feel depressed and feel anxious after that. Yeah, understandably, because it sounds like there's so many different components and along the way in their journey, even like post-graduation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sounds very stressful. Yeah, it's uh, really stressful because like it's not, yeah, I mean, unless your program or your department actually prioritize your um, your international student status. But sometimes like uh, in a lot of programs, international students being the minority minority, like sometimes it's really hard to kind of have an ongoing support, like faculty doesn't really sometimes aware of the uniqueness um, and also like the nuances of what international students um, has to encounter every single day. And um, and sometimes check in maybe like for domestic students, maybe like you can be monthly, but like international students may need more support than monthly meeting. So like, I think it would be helpful for professionals to be aware of meeting, like maybe like um, with the international students more often or just like kind of in a different schedule. Um, if possible, yeah. Definitely. I almost picture too, like, when I think mentor, I think like, like, so like pairing, like paired with someone and how great yeah. that would be, even if it's like kind of like paired with someone along the way, someone that's like yeah. consistent too. That'd be really cool because there's, um, there's so many things to touch on, you know, and I can't mm-hmm. imagine like the, even like the legal aspect of it. Right. Too. Exactly. Yeah. The legal aspect is huge. And not every um, professionals, like besides immigration attorney, um, know how to do like with legal stuff. But I think a lot of times that like um, a lot of faculty doesn't actually have the experience of dealing with immigration um, uh, kind of related rules and policies. Um, sometimes I would just like kind of, yeah, I mean, the best way is actually refer to the international student office or even like kind of finding some resources, maybe attorney to can really consult. Um, with the international students, because I think the majority of concerns, I mean, like the international students that I, I encounter, like um, most of them actually have concern with legal concerns. Um, and I think that it would be really helpful to, um, uh, I mean, there's some channels that I know, um, uh, which I can share later, um, that actually like kind of helping you to um, find ways to uh, to consult with, uh, with an attorney. I think that would be really helpful um, because, uh, you can't do this alone. Like being international student, you feel really lonely already. Like you, you can't really do everything on your own, basically. And it's such like a complex system to navigate as it is. The, the, yeah. the and then also the healthcare. Like there's so many yeah. different yeah. pieces to the puzzle, and each of them have their own like intricacies and ways that it works or doesn't work, and how to go about it. Like it just it can be. Sounds like it could be very, very overwhelming mm-hmm. if it's wrong in it. Absolutely. And the stigma is huge. I mean, like what you say about, uh, I forgot to touch on, is actually the mental health stigma. Mm-hmm. Um, I think with, I mean, at least like within the Asian international population, there's a huge stigma talking about mental health with their own parents, with their own relatives. And, um, and I think that like um, um, a lot of my colleagues or even like kind of, um, uh, people around me has an international student status and just like kind of finding so hard to, to find an outlet. Like if you don't find a therapist yourself and, um, you don't have a good, like kind of stable support network, like you will eventually kind of find yourself in a really, um, kind of lonely and miserable place because there's no outlet around you and, and parents not supportive talking about emotions and, and, um, it could be really difficult, I would say, for a lot of API international students. Yeah. Yeah. And kind of like reconciling that, right? Because now they're in this, 
um, place and space, even maybe a very supportive space where they have the opportunity to be seen and heard and talk about, mm-hmm. you know, their struggles and what they're going through, but then kind of reconciling that with like, it's different than what they're used to and what their family's been doing. Mm, exactly. Very interesting for them. You know? Yeah. 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 And sometimes mm, I would say like the, um, the thing that like I always enjoy doing is actually figuring out a creative way to do therapy with the international population, because I would say, a lot of different cultures have their own way of healing. Um, so maybe not language, maybe a lot, not like kind of using words or verbalized emotions, maybe drawing, maybe painting, maybe sketching, maybe using a lot of drama therapy or like doing a lot of different things to really um, have the person to really uh, kind of get out of their emotions. I think it will be helpful because I think in a, a lot of American way and how we teach, <laughs> how we are trained, how we are actually taught, like from the American westernized contact is so white, centric and I think a lot of times that we uh, forget about the um, uh, like the cultural aspects and also mm-hmm. like how can we do a culturally responsive treatment to that particular person um, exactly yeah. yeah yeah and that there are so many other ways to move through the healing journey and yeah. process yeah. processing things other than the you know like the talk therapy right which yeah, is very right. much white yeah. centered yeah. yeah yeah absolutely absolutely yeah when we think about how to combat um white supremacy or like decolonize like therapy the first thing that I always remind myself and also um kind of having a lot of conversation with my colleagues that we need to be aware of um how much westernized theory we actually imposing in the therapy process um but forgetting what the clients actually need from you as a therapist yeah right i think um and this is just like kind of maybe my personal opinion but like i think in some ways therapy is kind of an art you know like we get mm-hmm. to be creative and we get to which is such like an, a plus i think to be able to pull in different different ways of healing, um, different ways to be in this space together rather than just the, you know, rigid, like talking. I think, yeah. um, I think it always, that kind of makes it a little more fun too, in a way mm-hmm. able to do it a little different and, and creative and doing that collaborative process, like with the clients and where they're at and what works for them and, and mm-hmm. moving through it that way. I think that's really cool, actually. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that like, it's, um, yeah, just kind of thinking about what is more, I would say, like, client-tailored and also, like, kind of client-tailored kind of treatment plan and also, like, kind of treatment goals for the client. And also, like, you mentioned really kind of interesting thing about, like, therapies and art um, because I um, I have some mentor actually mentioned to me uh, recently about, like, uh, um, therapies and art because sometimes um, we can actually be more creative, like, art. It's just like kind of a really good way to describe like how therapy can actually um, do it different ways and also different um, different styles. Um, and and sometimes like maybe talk therapy is not the only to go effective kind of therapy. And um, yeah, people have to be open um, to try different training and tra- like as a therapist, we do a lot of continuing education and also train ourselves to be more well-rounded. Um, to be more holistic I think that's actually in the professional side I think it's really helped like I mean like it's really useful for us to be more equipped with different skills right exactly yeah Yeah. out of curiosity um whether this be for 
the therapist listening or others who may be interested in therapy as an Asian or Asian American. Um, ah. You know, I know you touched on like other than talk therapy, there's like a few um, types of styles that can be incorporated into therapy. And I think, and I'm, and I'm asking this because yeah. I know some people may be like unfamiliar with therapy in general or what like it kind of could look like. So you mentioned like the art therapy, psychodrama when it yeah. for Asians and like, you know, even international students included, yeah. like, yeah. Are there any others that you've noticed like, oh, that one like was really cool to pull in or that one was um, brought up and we, we brought that in the room and that was helpful. Does that kind of make sense? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I went through quite a few training really to art and also psycho psychodrama therapy. And uh, one of my friends from master program actually owned like kind of a, a psychodrama therapy organization agency in New York City. And and she has done a lot of work um, by, um, I think it's actually incorporating some um, kind of trend and also culture in China that people actually go into a scene and actually acting out a uh, correct uh, character. Um, and also like kind of using their own language, using their own emotions to act, act out that character. And sometimes like acting out process and performing and also having interaction with other actors and actresses in the scene would actually help you to really figuring out how to regulate your emotion. Um, and I think really interesting, I actually witnessed that like on the stage and it's really powerful. Like people cry, people would just like have a lot of different emotional kind of um, ups and downs um, at stage. And I think at that point, I just realized that like, it's just not talk therapy. Maybe like in a drama therapy, maybe you don't have words to describe. You just like use your emotions, use your own body language to communicate your emotions. And sometimes that's actually more powerful than using like kind of verbalize our emotion or using words to describe how we feel because every language actually translate differently in terms of feelings for it. Like there's no one direct translation, like for instance, like depression, anxiety in other culture, maybe those words have been, um, uh, I think maybe there's maybe tons of words like, uh, kind of describing anxiety. Um, that's actually how we describe it in the Western culture that, um, uh, anxiety, is meaning you feel fearful of something or like you feel like kind of afraid of something, but like in other culture, maybe there's like kind of different layers of language describing that and not just one word to describe it all. Yeah. That is so cool. Especially about like psychodrama, like aspect yeah. of it. Yeah. I think yeah. that is so neat. Yeah. 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 Psychodrama, like sometimes, like you will, I mean, like, of course, like I went through something, maybe you use words to kind of like act out that, that actor or like kind of that, um, that script. Um, but in some, some, uh, in some training, I think like people actually just use motion, like words is not allowed. Like you cannot talk, like in that drum, like kind of scene, you just use motions. You just use your own body language to come, like to really express how you feel internally. And I think both ways actually work, but I feel like if you, um, yeah, I mean, it's just so, so powerful, like to kind of really witness the whole from the start to the end and how people actually really have a lot of um, powerful emotion experience. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's the whole body experience too. I mean, you can yeah. really get into it, you know, yeah. you yeah. words and just like your positioning, your right. face, like your, I picture like the physical movement, yeah. uh-huh. describing or yeah. feeling like, that's that's like that that is definitely sounds like such a powerful experience. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's really yeah. it's so magical. 
like I just feel like so magical. Like when when you actually sit in, like as an audience, like to witness that happen, like from from start to end. And I think, yeah, I mean, if if people can actually like experience that and witness the power of that, I think that would be a awesome thing to do. Yeah. Yeah, and to 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 go there, like you know, right, like, exactly, because you're acting it out or you you're you're doing this, you know, so. Like I keep saying the word powerful because that's what comes to mind, but like yeah. to be able to get in that place where you're just like release. Yeah. And you just absolutely. feel all of that and do all of that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds super. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um is there anything I didn't ask about that you'd want to bring up or talk about? Uh let's see. Yeah, I think one thing that I want to kind of touch on is actually, um, like what I actually encounter a lot is actually a first gen or even second gen generation immigrants coming into my room actually kind of have a lot of conflicts with their parents. Yeah. Um, because there's a lot of like huge kind of, uh, fellows conflicts. Um, they don't actually align with one another. Um, and sometimes I, like as a therapist, I do a lot of like kind of, uh, personal value short sorting. I, I look, uh, I use a lot of like acceptance commitment therapy work, um, uh, kind of incorporating my uh, own therapy process, just like helping them to figure out what is actually crucial. What are some of the priority, um, uh, values that they want to kind of, uh, kind of show and represent themselves in their family system. So sometimes like working within a family, I think it's interesting and you actually get me excited like to kind of talk about family dynamic because a lot of Western and also like kind of um, American culture, like always saying that, like, just cut off the relationship. You don't need to kind of talk to them, but like it doesn't actually work across the board to Asian families. Um, and a lot of times that uh, I I would actually kind of find some practices, some skills, uh, kind of based training with um, with my client just to kind of figure out what works best for them at that moment um, to just like really embracing their own identity and also their own values. Yeah. yeah. I love act. Act yeah. is great. And it, and you brought up like values, like values, yeah. right? Yeah. So for like the, the, like the listeners and the viewers, like goals yeah. are like things you can check off a list, right? You could do it. Mm-hmm. Complete, yeah. uh, you know, whereas values um, is what brings your life meaning and that you can engage with and do whether or not things are going a particular way in your life, you can always live according to your values. So, and, and values work, especially with an act is, is so, so powerful. And I would think too, and you can, you can let me know, but I mean, is that when you bring this up to these clients, like, is that their kind of first experience with the possibility of engaging in values or identifying their values? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a lot of times that because Asian culture always value, um, harmonious, like being harmony, like being balanced in, in terms of chi, like kind of like the positive and negative energy in the family. So like we don't bring up conflict. So once I actually bring in conflict, so like there's another mix in the therapy process, just helping them to realize, okay, so they can actually figure out their own values, their own uh, meaning of life, basically. Um, so they can actually help them to really navigate and also communicate that out um, because they don't realize before coming to therapy that they can actually have their own set of values. They can have their own set of commitments in life, which um, I think the family maybe is constantly suppressing, maybe constantly kind of um, not allowing, not encouraging to speak up 
about their mind. So in therapy is actually a good way to kind of um, have a corrective experience to kind of help them to really uh, figure out what works best for them. Um, so, I mean, I mean, like, I mean, maybe they end up like kind of figuring out a plan that they don't need to kind of cut off their family ties. So, um, so that's actually how I work with my clients in a lot of ways. So. Yeah. How does it work when it like, so when they identify theirs values and they get into yeah. their own, Yeah. what does it look like within the family context? Do they end up just kind of sharing it or not? Or how does that kind of come into the, the system? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah that's a really good question like sometimes I would um I mean it depends on the timing depend on the client readiness of sharing that um sometimes I need to kind of have some practice like how does that feel like kind of owning that value and just like kind of communicating with me as a therapist and just like kind of gradually kind of bring it up to their family members because family members can be really um I kind of scary for a lot of clients like coming into a room like to kind of share their own true self um so i would help them to kind of find a way that they can actually share some um some part of themselves like not i mean like if they don't feel like sharing the full part of themselves they can share some part that they feel comfortable at that stage of their life um so that they can actually do it gradually um not forcing them to do it like completely at one time so that's actually how I do like acceptance work as well, like to kind of really see through those feelings of discomfort and like being vulnerable and also like being, um, it's okay to be not okay, those kind of stages. And, um, and I think it's really interesting work with, um, especially with first, second gen immigrants, like having different values, uh, with family members. Yeah. It sounds very empowering too. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah. And important, so important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, before before we end, um, if the listeners or viewers want to um, find out more about you, is there anywhere in particular they could go or contact info for you? Yeah, I mean, like the best way to contact me is actually through email. Um, My email is sunny at interconnections healing.com and um, uh, Robin you can actually feel free to share with the listeners and kind of post it on the description and I'm really open to kind of chat with anyone that actually need any resources support um, and I can actually share resources um, uh, yeah with the link or like kind of like find some ways to kind of share resources with Robin and, and everyone actually um, every listener can actually have it yeah. Yeah, great. So what I'll do is I'll put your contact info in the show notes and then um, on the YouTube. And mm-hmm. then, yeah, go ahead and send over if you have any particular links that you feel maybe yeah. helpful for the listeners yeah. or viewers. Yeah. Go ahead and send it on over to me. And then I'll also include that. That way they can just like. Sounds click. good. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Perfect. Well, thanks so much for doing this and being here. This is really helpful. Really helpful. Thank you for having me, Robert. Yeah, no problem. Take care. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for listening. Hopefully this was informative or helpful. If you think this episode may be helpful to others that you know, be sure to share this episode with them. The resources mentioned and the contact information for today's guests are listed in the show notes. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts, be sure to leave us a rating. If you would like to stay up to date, please subscribe to this podcast and follow the podcast Instagram, Open Mind Night Pod. Also, this podcast is not psychotherapy or counseling. 
If you need to speak with a professional, you should find one local to you and contact them directly. If this is an emergency, please call your local emergency number or go to your nearest emergency department.